So welcome to the future of music, the Soundshift podcast. Today we have an amazing guest that she will be introducing herself because she has such an amazing background that I can't even do it justice. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Golnar Khosrowshahi, and uh, pretty honored to be here to discuss the future of music. It's always very flattering to be thought of as... Um, being ahead of our time in our industry. So um, I appreciate uh, you hosting me. Uh, a little bit about my background. Um, I've been at this for about 16 years now. Uh, we started uh, just slowly acquiring music catalogs. Before that, I was in experiential design and marketing, mm -hmm. uh, did a lot of work in music licensing, um, grown up a little bit all over the world, born in the Middle East, uh, grew up in London, uh, on the West Coast for a while, um, and then uh, for undergrad and grad school here on the East Coast. Um, I have a background as a classically trained pianist, so I'm in a little bit of a luxurious situation where I have uh, managed to marry my passion um, in music, to uh, my business training and background and desire. And so uh, very, very lucky to be here in a place that is um, blending all of my interests together. Interesting. And do you want to tell everybody a little bit more about Reservoir? You built sure. such an amazing company, so many amazing accolades, accomplishments that artists can't even dream to build up an empire of that status that's so that's you. that's Thank how i would you. refer to it as an empire of creativity innovation and also just putting things forward for women within the industry which is amazing Thank you. um so as i said uh i founded the company about 16 years ago and um at the time, we really got uh, our feet wet in publishing and buying catalogs and growing the business that way. Uh, we then started a few years later actually signing writers to the roster, and we started to represent songwriters. Um, so cut to where we are today. We're representing about 150,000 copyrights, um, just over 30,000. That's 000. insane. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Round of applause. About uh, just over 30,000 master rights. So we got into the master's business, the record label business, when we acquired Chrysalis Records in 2019 and then subsequently grew that business um, by acquiring Tommy Boy, uh, and that was a couple years ago. Uh, and so that business has grown, but it's really about 30% of our revenue altogether. Um, we have a couple of management companies. That's been interesting. Um, and then we have this business in Abu Dhabi called Pop Arabia, and we've now acquired catalogs over there as well as have an active songwriter, songwriter and artist roster um, in the region, in India, in Egypt, Morocco, uh, Lebanon, Saudi wow. now. So it's, um, it's very interesting what's happening there, and we're very excited about what's happening there. I feel that it's a market that is probably five to seven years behind where we are here as far as subscription growth goes and saturation goes and streaming access, et cetera. And why do you think that is? 
Um, that's just, you know, the emerging markets and when the streaming platforms have been able to gain access to mm -hmm. those markets. And um, we're talking about different economics, obviously, sure. uh, connectivity. Um, and so it's, uh, it's really interesting to watch, though. And we see a great deal of artistry coming out of there. And we really, being a global creative company, we really are interested in seeing how we can move culture and how we can actually, you know, take creative people and product that we represent in one region and actually create collaborations in other regions and move sound and move music and move culture. And that's incredible. And from De La Soul to Tommy Boy, you have so many amazing catalogs of music. And I was wondering, is there a particular catalog that once you got, you're like, yes, I love this. I mean, every I'm single sure time. every single one. Every but is, single time. Is there anything that just tugs on the heartstrings in a, a different sort of way? They all do. I mean, it's you know you can't it's picking between amongst your children. Sure. Um, <laughs> they really, they all do, and they all hold significance in different ways. Um, you know, the De La Soul catalog is a catalog that is so significant in its genre, and so significant to an entire generation of listeners who were not able to listen to that music across streaming platforms for many years. Um, so that's the significance there and also our cultural obligation to do what we did and, you know, work with them over the course of 18 months and get these samples cleared and actually get the music out. Um, but there's so many, I mean, every single catalog has um, some nuanced significance that... Mm -hmm. um, occupies a place in my heart so <laughs> i can't i can definitely not pick amongst them so, so, so. usually on the podcast we start off by asking what are you listening to right now is there anything in particular just you, you've just been listening to as a listener so we had Eli Smart in our office last oh, wow. week. Um, I don't know how much you know about him, but he grew up in Hawaii, and his sound is very much, uh, you know, sort of this tropical sound. But he actually lives in Europe, and I think there's part of his family is European, Italian, maybe on his father's side. Um, so I've been listening uh, a little bit to him. Uh, he did a little performance um, which was quite touching because he performs with his grandmother. Oh, wow. Uh, so she was with us as well, and then he had a show in Brooklyn. Uh, so, you know, I like to, obviously I listen to a lot of music outside of our catalog, but I also really like to see what our roster is up to, and um, so I've been listening to him. So, so, so. I would love to jump into your thoughts on the future of music and technology, and maybe we could talk about one of the hot topics that's on everybody's mind, which is AI. Really? Uh, everybody that I've been talking to recently is just, a lot of the artists are very hesitant. AI mm -hmm. is going to take this over. And you had such an interesting viewpoint. I was reading in one of your profiles that you had you were not scared at all. That's been my stance as well. I'm like, oh, it's just another tool we have to integrate. Right. Um, so would you like to elaborate a little bit on that? Sure. I mean, I think we're optimistic. We're optimistic insofar as efficiencies that are created. We're optimistic in, insofar as what will happen in the studio and how different processes will get will accelerate. Mm -hmm. um, we really sincerely believe, I sincerely believe that people have a relationship with music that is emotional that transcends um, 
really any other kind of relationship that that exists between or with people in the arts and the arts. Um, if you look at what has happened this summer with Beyonce's show, Taylor Swift's show, Ed Sheeran's show, mm. I mean, all of these stadium shows where people are engaged and just immersed in this musical experience. It's amazing what I've seen. It, absolutely. I'm hard-pressed to believe that people will engage the same way um, with music that is faceless. I agree. Um, because it is part of the experience. It is the experience is being with thousands of other people who know all the same lyrics and are going to shout them at the same, you know, time and at, at a very high volume. Um, earplugs are recommended <laughs> for all of these events. Um, and uh, so, I don't, I don't see that star power being replaced by, um, again, something that is nameless and faceless, that is mm. not human. Now, can it help in acceleration? Yes. Can it help in licensing? Absolutely. Can it help in how we manage and organize our metadata, which is really our digital asset, our music? Absolutely. Does, will it help in how we categorize our music and how we define our music? Absolutely. So we're not really fearful. I think that we will have a lot more efficiency around anyway, what is now digital sounds that are mm -hmm. accessed as part of libraries and things like that. Um, and so we're not really scared of this. Mm -hmm. um, people are immediately going to this endpoint that is the songwriter will now be replaced by a computer. Sure. And I just don't see that as happening. I mean, I think people, creators, still want to be in a room like this and kick around ideas, and artists still want to tell a story of an experience, and that's not going to be done by typing in uh, your heartache into the chat GBT field. So. <laughs> I, I have tried that. I have um, <laughs> even I've, I've, uh, I'm also a journalist, so I've pulled, I said, write this in the style of Ariana O'Dell. It does sound like me, which is a little scary, but it doesn't emulate the emotion that I'm trying to right. convey in these different tracks. Um, it so will. I love it for At idea, some point it idea will. generation. Yes. Or figuring out, oh, what rhymes with this word generate 100 mm -hmm. different And that's ideas. making things more efficient for you. Mm -hmm. um, so in that respect, uh, I think that we're all fans of efficiency. So. And why do you think the hesitation, just um, a lot of the artists that I have spoken with, and even at a major conference, there was a lot of discussion and everybody just, I was kind of just sampling all the, the executives who were around saying, oh, what, what's your stance on AI? Oh, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I think it's fear of uncertainty mm. because, I mean, I'm not claiming to know, you know, sort of what's, where we're headed, but it's fear of the unknown. Mm. And I think there's a little bit of a, um, mass mentality in that everybody's talking about it. It's very much topical. Fear of it is topical. You have uh, louder voices talking about how AI will, is, will mark the end of the human race. I mean, there are people who are saying these things, and so you're going to jump on that wagon <laughs> and be fearful. So, But I think a lot of it is, is that uncertainty. 
I've seen a lot of that. And another thing I really would love your stance on is just the future of licensing in general, these streaming platforms. How do you think they're going to evolve and change over the next decade? So if we look at this recent Deezer announcement um, and we juxtapose that with the fact that streaming platforms are adding over 100,000 tracks a day, Mm -hmm. um, maybe we're going to... Uh, in a direction where a little bit of that noise is going to be removed and perhaps we're not going to have hundreds of thousands of tracks, you know, just um, being uh, added to the platforms daily. Um, Mm -hmm. That's potentially one direction. I think, you know, there's good and bad. There's These platforms have resulted, just like with a lot of different technology platforms, in the democratization of an industry, in accessibility across the board. But at the same time, 100,000 tracks being added every day. How do you you differentiate yourself? Mm. You know, you're not an artist, you don't, or you're not a known artist, you don't have marketing support, et cetera. There's no way for you to figure out how you could get onto a landing page, get playlisted, get curated, you know, all of these things. They're all exactly. challenges. That's, that's been my struggle, exactly. Um, so it's, uh, you know, perhaps that's a little bit of the direction we're headed in. I think that, um, I think I would always be a fan of creating more access, mm-hmm. knowing what the expenses, uh, or knowing at what expense that is coming about. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just never know where talent is going to come from. And, you know, now social media platforms are also proving to be a music discovery tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just greater accessibility. And um, in an industry where really had a velvet rope in front mm-hmm. for a long time. That's true. And it still does feel that way to me because I I have an ad budget. I say, let me go put this on Spotify ads. Oh, need 10,000 followers already to buy the ads. So it's like (laughs) you have to start, build from the ground up and then the doors open. You can't just start at at ground zero. So what is your advice for just building more of those industry connections as well? Um, Or even to try and I've been trying, how do I even find someone at Spotify for these playlists? Right. So it's, and I talked to an artist recently who said, oh, now that I'm independent, I can't get on them before. My label used to do it. Yeah, you know, I tell my kids who are 21 and um, working in different areas of music that you need to oh, be amazing. out seven nights a week. Um, okay. So I Good think advice. that's important. See, I need the tactical information, well, seven nights. But so. I think it's, I think that's really important. I think that you, um, we're, we work, we run in an industry that um, is driven by young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a lot of young people who are in jobs that actually matter, whether it's across uh, marketing, sure. social media, uh, promotion, management, etc. Um, and there is this blurred line in so far as who, you know, where business and entertainment kind of come together. You could be at a show sure. because you enjoy that artist, but really you're going, you might meet five to ten people who actually work in the industry, and exactly. so it's, it's mm-hmm. really a, a, a networking opportunity. Um, so 
I think that that's very important to build that network from the ground up and in a very organic way um, that is based on, really based on the music. At the end of the day, it all needs to come back to the music. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, as we said before, you know, what's the advice for the artists? I mean, the advice for people in the business is also to have an encyclopedic knowledge um, and also to treat things with urgency. I think that's been a little bit of what has helped us at the company and what has helped us culturally is that we all have this sense of urgency every day. That's what I thought was truly amazing about your background is you see things from the business sense, but also as a musician. And I found in the industry, a lot of people don't have those two types of skills that are marrying together. So what kind of advice would you have for an artist who maybe doesn't have the business skills or accolades yet and they're trying to further themselves within the industry? Um, I think for artists, it's very important to um, really understand your field and your niche with depth. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I say with depth, I mean with encyclopedic level depth. Uh, But I would say that that's true really for anything that anybody wants to do. Um, that training is, it, it gives you access, knowledge access that you're able to, to then apply and use in different areas as you develop as an artist, as you create new work, etc. Um, and I think that's probably the most important. Um, I don't, you know, people tend to pigeonhole themselves as, you know, I'm on the artist side, I'm mm-hmm. on the creative side, I'm on the business side. Um, none of this is rocket science. So really nothing precludes you as an artist or as a business person to Mm -hmm. understand the craft of an artist or vice versa, to understand the business aspect, to understand how rights work, how compensation works. You know, you as an artist can become quite aware and savvy about all of those things. And um, that's not a door that's closed. Uh, So I think that depth in... Uh, in knowledge as far as the creative work goes is really important, but awareness about the entire industry is also important because you Mm -hmm. can keep an eye on trends. You can understand, you know, sort of how things are developing. You can understand that people are discovering music in in an entirely different way today. Mm -hmm. Um, And so these are all very important. um, And just being able to have exposure to all aspects of the business, I think, is really important. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've had to learn firsthand as an artist. I didn't know anything about licensing. I have gotten screwed a few times over, I must say. (laughs) But now that I've... Sorry to hear that. It's okay. I've found that um, getting screwed over is the best way to learn. (laughs) So what advice would you have for an artist who is just breaking into the industry? Maybe they're going viral on TikTok record labels are reaching out to them. What are some things to kind of be aware of and wary of when you do start to have some success in traction? Um, I think if a deal sounds really too good to be true, it probably is. (laughs) So read the fine print. Uh, I think that across the board, who you surround yourself with is really important. Mm -hmm. And that is true for advisors, for collaborators, It doesn't matter who it is. Um, So having high-quality people of integrity around you will help have the right advisors around. Um, I would be always, as an artist, very conscious of what rights people are giving up and what they are getting in exchange for that. And this is a business where you need a balance of partnership 
as well as ownership. And there's a way to create that in a harmonious way. And there's a way to create that, especially historically, in a way that is at the expense of the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, again, being aware of how the industry functions and being aware of where you fit into that essentially that cycle, that food chain mm-hmm. of, you know, where your rights are and where your income is and what the economics are will help you strike the best deal for you in that moment. But that understanding and that knowledge is key. Mm-hmm. And that makes a, sen- a lot of sense. And I know artists, including myself, when anything is dangled in front of my <laughs> my vision, whether it's a movie sync or a TV sync, I'm just like, oh, I want this. Like, I don't, I try, I know from a business perspective, don't let them know this, that you really want this. But what can you do to even negotiate a higher fee for these things when you're essentially just starting out? Um, on the sync side, you know, it's licensing is really driven by what's the market rate mm-hmm. for that, for whatever is being licensed. So, arbitrarily commanding a fee isn't going to secure a license. Now, mm-hmm. it's tough when it's a first-time license because you have to have some footing in how you're setting that pricing. Um, I think it, this is always a very delicate dance, that you mm-hmm. don't want to lose the license and hence the fee at the expense of commanding too high a price. At the same time, you don't want to dilute the value of the song. And that's really important as well. Um, so it's really, you're sort of on a balance beam there and you need to make sure that you're in that right spot where pricing is right without being dilutive in a way that you can execute. Interesting. Um, and I think that's a lot more has to do with just the feel and then what the market rate is. Perfect. So we were talking about transparency in the music industry and where to even find the market rates for things like sync placements, licensing. Where can an artist even go to figure out what is the market rate? So these are, I mean, this this is information, obviously, that we have to do with our catalog um, through our sync team, which is about 12 people now globally. Um, that that's proprietary information that is held in the hands of those executives. Um, as with most things in the music industry, there's no centralized place to get information. Sure. Just like there's no centralized um, vehicle or channel through which M&A is done, through sure. which deals transact. You know, it's all very disenfranchised. And very much based on relationships and knowledge and history. And this is a little bit of a common theme. Um, but I would say that, you know, most of that information is held as institutional knowledge by synchronization teams at our company or at any other company. So, so, so. And one thing I would love your thoughts on as well is you are such an inspiration to women in the music industry. And what have you kind of learned throughout your career on how to garner respect in an industry that is very male-dominated? Thank you. That's very kind of you. But I've had the benefit of um, having a really great team next to me. Um, So by way of background, you should know that my first experience in co-education mm-hmm. other than like kindergarten 
um, was in grad school. Uh, so I went to uh, an all-women's college as an undergrad and uh, all-girls schools through high school. And so I never... I suppose it's a little bit different times than now in that this was just not something we ever discussed. Interesting. Uh, so it was a girls can do anything, women can do anything. It was not anything that was um, the subject of discussion. Uh, so I suppose that was very much my approach. Um, not to say that we haven't, I haven't hit obstacles along the way, same as everybody else, um, that I haven't had the same encounters, the same awkward and interesting things happen mm -hmm. and music is certainly male dominated as are many industries. Um, and, uh, you know, you do your work with integrity, you lead with integrity and things will happen and fall into place and, you know, sort of focus on the work and focus on building the business. Um, and hopefully we have some luck along the way and, uh, Things are okay that way. We've been very fortunate, and I think this is just a reflection of our culture mm -hmm. in that we have a lot of women in senior leadership positions across the company, mm -hmm. from heading up our creative team to members of our sync team. Um, and so we don't really have this situation where we are male-dominated within the organization. Mm -hmm. um, we have executive level leadership at our record label who's a woman. I mean, it's just, it's always been organically how, th how things have worked out for us. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've put the best people and the right people in those jobs. Um, and here we are, uh, where with such a large headcount or, you know, large for an independent, um, we also have a company that's quite diverse and is diverse across gender and across leadership. Uh, and so that really helps continue to build up on that culture. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've, you know, we've, we've benefited from that. We were talking about building a great team and that partners are essential to Reservoir. Is there anything that you're up to this fall that you really want to tell everybody about that you're excited about? Um, we're a public company now, so I have to be very careful about <laughs> the things that I tell you and when I tell you those things. No insider trading on the podcast. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we're obviously always excited for new music. We're always excited for new catalogs and new artists that are joining the roster. Um, I am, I'll be spending some more time in Abu Dhabi, uh, which... Uh, obviously, during COVID, I wasn't able to do as much, uh, but I will be heading back there um, end of November, and I'm very excited to participate in uh, XP, which is a conference in Saudi Arabia, uh, and that'll be happening at the beginning of December. That, uh, by some measures, um, Saudi Arabia is now the largest music market in the Middle East, in a country where oh. the public performance of music was not allowed until four That's years really ago. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting what's happening over there, and uh, I'm excited about that. Um, and otherwise, I'm just uh, most of my excitement comes around new music. 
New music. Yeah. And that's amazing. You have really great viewpoints across the board and everything. Is there anything else you'd like to touch on today to make sure that the world knows about what Reservoir is doing? Um, no, I don't think so. I think you touched on everything. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, I hope that we can stay in touch. And your questions around just an, what and in, the challenges that, fa- that an independent artist faces um, – bring it back to reality for me a little bit. And mm-hmm. that's helpful to hear uh, because there are way, way more independent artists than there are, you know, non-independent. And so it's uh, those are issues that need to be addressed. And so that's helpful for me to hear those questions. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I think I'm I'm personally like that Chabawamba song that I get knocked down, I get back up right. again. <laughs> But I, I see so many other artists getting discouraged. I have yeah. a PR background, so I'm used to getting rejected 200 right. to 500 times a day. Um, so is, is that what you recommend for artists as well as just to keep? I mean, it's the resilience, right? It's um, you only need somebody to say yes once. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the other times you can get rejected, and it's just it takes a lot of resilience. So, yes, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I'm going to keep blasting that song and keep trying to make waves. All but right. well, I, really I, got, I got through, I think, three or four of your songs today that oh, I was I'm, listening to. And, um, I feel like I'm always so embarrassed because there's like, be. such so vulnerable songs that I'm like, oh, people well, are listening to okay. it. That's what you want. You <laughs> yeah. want people listening to it. So, oh, But I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Definitely. So, so, And that's a wrap. 